Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Aaliyah, and my friend, Rivka. And this is a podcast where we talk about the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Aaliyah, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. Do you have any new awesome music recommendations for us today? Yes. So we kind of talked about this a little last episode, but um, the score for the Prince of Egypt movie by DreamWorks Mm -hmm. is very good. It's also Hans Zimmer. (laughs) Um, And uh, as I said, we talked about a specific part last episode, but the whole thing is is really good. Not just the songs that the characters sing, but the the background score as well. So I highly recommend that. Agreed. Eventually, you'll run out of Hans Zimmer recommendations, but you still have a ways to go. He's very prolific. I don't think it's possible to run out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rivka, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks. Awesome. Do you want to share one good thing that happened to you this week? Uh, well, one good thing that happened to me this week was uh, a surprise opportunity for service to my daughter and her friends that ended in a, or rather, I don't know, began a really incredible missionary experience for my daughter to have with her friends. And that has just been so rewarding um, to see as a mom and to have kind of been there at the, you know, planting of a seed. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, to, and I think we'll skip talking about any challenges for this episode, and we'll just jump right in to our talk, which is Waiting on the Lord by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Elder Holland is a master uh, talk giver, so I'm, I'm very excited to hear some of the things that y'all took away from this. So, Aaliyah, what were your general impressions of this talk? Um, I remember listening to this talk um, for the first time and the sentence, my beloved brothers and sisters, Christianity is comforting, but it is often not comfortable, really stuck out to me. Um, I thought it was an interesting perspective, I guess, um, because a lot of times we we say like, oh, the gospels brought me so much joy and, you know, I love the gospel so much and um and it does. It does bring joy to to a lot of people, but it's not always comfortable. That doesn't mean that we're, you know, going to just sail through life and nothing bad will ever happen. Yeah, it's not about dancing through life, right? Yeah. Um. So might I suggest, Aaliyah, that it brings joy because it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I think a lot of what the world tells us is that joy comes from ease and pleasure, right? So worldly pleasures or um, just not sitting around Netflixing for 10 hours on a Saturday or some other things like that. And, and none of those are joy. They're fun. Um, but, you know, it's not you, when you're done, you don't feel good about things in your life, probably. At least I don't. If I ever reach the point where Netflix is like, are you still watching? <laughs> I think I need to reassess my life decisions because um, I've been on this too long. And so the times I feel the most joy are when I am uncomfortable because I am making progress. Um, and so that push to keep me going forward. So I don't know. What do you what do you think about that, Aaliyah? Um, To me, missions come to mind. A lot of missionaries 
have said like, oh, this is the best time uh, in my life. Like I'm, I'm so happy and joyful, but missions are hard and they <laughs> are going through some hard things, but yet they're so joyful. And the saints, the early saints too, like um, there's journal entries and stuff of them moving West after they got kicked out of Nauvoo, um, you know, past Sugar Creek and everything. And, and they say that they were able to feel joy despite everything being terrible. Like they were not in a good position, but they were still able to uh, feel the joy of, of the Lord, um, even though they're working through these hard things. Yeah, that's awesome. You've already changed my perspective on this talk, Aaliyah, because when I listened to it this time or read it, actually, my general impression that I sort of took away is I mentioned a few episodes ago that when I was a teenager, I felt like enduring to the end was sort of suffering until we die. <laughs> and when I got through the talk, I was like, I guess I'm going to suffer till I die. I don't... <laughs> but... Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you've helped me see that that's not what he was saying at all. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, Rivka, uh, what was your general impression of the talk? This is a it was an emotionally heavy talk because it resonated so deeply with me. I'm sure it resonated deeply with everyone who heard him. And he is such an emotive speaker that that you know he is feeling it too. And and there's this sort of connection you know, heart to heart that can happen. And so in the midst of all of that depth of emotion, I appreciated what he said. It's sort of right in the middle of the talk, this reminder, he who never sleeps nor slumbers cares for the happiness and ultimate exaltation of his children above all else that divine, that a divine being has to do. And I love that reminder in the midst of all that, I'm going to suffer till I die. (laughs) That um, his work and his glory is to bring to pass our immortality and our eternal life. And, and he will not allow us to needlessly suffer. I'm grateful. I love that. Yeah. Needlessly. That's, that's a great word, a key word there. I like that. Thanks Rivka. Um, Aliyah, what, uh, can you share a quote with us that stuck out to you as you read it? Yes. Um, he says, For every infirm man healed instantly as he waits to enter the pool of Bethesda, someone else will spend 40 years in the desert waiting to enter the promised land. For every Nephi and Lehi divinely, protecting, divinely protected by an encircling flame of fire for their faith, we have an Abinadi burned at a stake of flaming fire for his. So this to me was really powerful. Because everyone has different trials and suffers in different ways. And I think it's easy for a lot of people to compare their circumstances with those of others. But as we see here, that's we really shouldn't do that. Because all of these people were faithful and, you know, like it wasn't like God was punishing Abinadi for you know, like he didn't do anything wrong. He was fighting for his faith, but yet he still was burned at the stake for it. Whereas, you know, someone else was protected. So I think it's important not to compare our trials with those of others and and the results of those trials either. I think we should keep in mind that the Lord loves perfectly 
and he knows exactly what's best for us. And if that means being burned at the stake, then that's what's best for us. And we, um, we, we shouldn't, uh, you know, moan and groan about someone else having a better situation than we do. Yeah, that is so powerful. This section was just amazing. And, you know, God's perfection is about complete completeness. And, you know, in the mortal sense, we often think perfect means no mistakes, but it it's really about completeness. And there's all these times where um, he does something that um, isn't the same that he as he did before. I'm not expressing myself very well, but the point is that sometimes we place limits on God by saying, well, you know, the God I believe in wouldn't do that or the God I, you know, I think he wouldn't allow this trial or whatever the case may be. And here he's laying out just all these beautiful scriptural examples where the Lord knows the end from the beginning. And sometimes the healing is instant and sometimes it waits till the next life. And sometimes you're protected by fire and sometimes you're burned by fire. And I mean, it was what a powerful passage to remind us that the Lord is in charge. He knows the end from the beginning. And, and our, um, you know, one thing we can do is just be patient and wait on the Lord. Uh, it struck me at the end of that paragraph um, and at the beginning of the talk that Elder Holland's a pretty funny guy. And he he adds in some a little humor sometimes. And at the end, he talked about Elijah eating skimpy sustenance that could be carried in a raven's claw. And he says, by my estimation, that couldn't have been anything we would call a happy meal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just... So he likes to add a little levity in there. This was a heavy talk, as you said, Rivka, and to have him add a little humor, I think, um, made it a little a little more bearable. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts about that, Rivka, about that, the dichotomy there of, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, I guess? Uh, he says, he asked the question, the point about all of this, like, what is the point then of of all of these examples. The point is that faith means trusting God in good times and bad, even if that includes some suffering until we see his arm revealed in our behalf. And I think I love the phrase waiting on the Lord, which is the title of the talk, but it's easy to assume because of the way we use it colloquially, that waiting is a passive verb here. And it really is not when the Lord is talking about waiting on the Lord or when we talk about waiting on the Lord. That's an extremely active thing to do. We're not just sitting around like, well, hopefully, I don't know how, you know, whether I'm going to be saved or burned, but I guess I'll just sit here and wait for God to (laughs) make up his mind or tell me what to do. (laughs) Uh, That it's very, it's very active. And a lot of that activity is um, within ourselves you know, what Elder Bednar, how he defines um, meekness as self-control and self-discipline. I think that ties in a lot to waiting on the Lord, a lot of self-control, a lot of self-discipline to trust that God knows what he's doing. Just like you were saying that that he, he knows the end from the beginning when we can't see it. It's hard. It's hard when we want a specific end and we don't know that we're going to get that end. Um, I, as I was reading this, I ran, I didn't run across a quote. This is one of my favorite quotes. I went back to a quote, um, by George Q. Cannon, who was in the first presidency in the early years of the church. 
And he, he says this, we have got to be watchful for I tell you, God has sent us here to test us and to prove us. We were true in keeping our first estate. The people that are here today stood loyally by God and by Jesus, and they did not flinch. Now you are in your second estate, and you are going to be tested again. Will you be true and loyal to God with the curtain drawn between you and him, shut out from his presence and in the midst of darkness and temptation, with Satan and his invisible hosts all around you, bringing all manner of evil influences to bear upon you, the men and women that will be loyal under these circumstances, God will exalt because it will be the highest test to which they can be subjected. So right now we are experiencing the highest test to which we could be subjected. Um, and you know, that can either be overwhelming or it can be invigorating. Like here we are, we, we trained all of our pre-mortal life and prepared for this and we're in the game now. And, and we have the opportunity to trust God, our coach, that our plays, if we stick to the plays that we're going to, we're going to win. Here's a good sports metaphor for you, I guess. Um, (laughs) But Trusting God and waiting on the Lord can be exciting and it can be invigorating. It doesn't have to be sitting around feeling hopeless or like there's nothing we can do. We can absolutely get in the game and do everything that we that we know how to the best of our ability. We can live as faithful as we faithfully as we can to the best of our ability and and live with a trust and a hope. a a heavenly hope that things are going to turn out wonderfully in the end, despite the, the suffering and the, the pains that we go through here and the uncertainty that this is temporary and that the, the joy and the wonder, this marvelous work and the wonder that he's doing, it is that. And so it's, I like that quote from elder Cannon in the midst of this, because for me, it's an invigorating thought and helps me to pull out of that slump of, almost like dejected helplessness that we can get into. (laughs) Yeah. Has, can you think of a specific instance in your life, Rivka, where you have been actively waiting on the Lord? So instead of, uh, you know, being in that dejected helplessness, you've, you've had that invigorative, invigorating, active waiting. Yeah. Give me some time to think. I'm sure I'll think of something. Okay. While you're thinking, it brought to mind a movie (laughs) (laughs) where, um, so we, you know, we love, we love movies. We love soundtracks. So it reminds me of Kung Fu Panda, right? Where, (laughs) where Master Shifu, um, does not believe that this big fat panda, as he describes himself, is the dragon warrior. And so he just sort of is in that dejected, hopeless state, right? And then Ugwe says like, nope, this is it. You just have to believe. And so instead of, but he doesn't just believe, he does choose to believe, but then he actively works towards it. So then he spends the rest of the movie training Poe and the panda. And (laughs) turns out, you know, he has, being the big fat panda actually, you know, makes him immune to Tai Lung's nerve attacks. Yeah, I just knew all that off the top of my head. It's okay. I like the movie. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, I thought of one. So, okay. Uh, finish your thought. So it just made me think like, you know, how many times in my life do I think, oh, this, 
I don't, I don't really like this and I'm just going to sit here and not like it and just sort of wallow, you know, and that wallow and that victimhood, it, it doesn't, it sort of feels good to feel sorry for yourself, but it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't get me anywhere. And even if I don't know how the final story is going to end, um, if I trust that the Lord is in charge, then I can, I can move forward and at least work towards the Lord's end, even if I don't know what that is. And, you know, sitting around wallowing in the end, it'll make you feel worse. And, and actually actively, you know, that active expectant waiting is much more, um, fulfilling and purpose-driven. So I didn't, I couldn't think of an episode off the top of my head from my life. I know there are some, and if I thought about them, I'd think of them, but Hey, a movie came to mind. So I threw it out there. Okay. So here's, here's my story. There's a lot more to this story than you'll get, but you're just going to get the highlights that have to do with what we're talking about. Um, what about, Oh, four years after we moved here to Washington from Iowa, we had, purchased a house. We were working and we were, uh, working really hard to pay off our student loans from medical school. And we did, we hit year four, we paid off the student loans. We were in the house. We were like, this is the house we're retiring in. Everything's great. And, um, like the week after we finished paying off the student loans, we both received the impression that we needed to sell the house we were in and move. Um, to another house in this location. Job was staying the same, everything. And we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, what? That makes no sense. Cause the next thing was going to be paying down the house. And we just thought this is, that doesn't make any sense financially. It's not what we want to do. Maybe it wasn't a prompting. So we waited a couple of days. It was a prompting. The spirit did not let it go. So we thought, okay, well, the Lord must have a plan. Let's do this. And um, I don't know whether it was naivety or just forgetting, but you know how the Lord works sometimes. But I thought, okay, everything is just going to go fast and smooth because he wants us to do this. This was an art. <laughs> it did not go fast and it did not go smoothly. Um, it, it was a, about a seven month process with a, a buyer falling through on our end and then it working and selling through, but then the house we were going to buy fell through at the same time we were supposed to be moving out of the house we had just sold. So we ended up living in a hotel for a month. Oh boy. As we looked for a house and I thought this, you know, so many times we have these conversations like this is so stupid. Why is this? What are we doing something wrong? Have we misinterpreted? Like, you know, just a lot of questioning, a lot of frustration, a lot of, well, the hotel had root beer on tap. So Burke was really happy about that. But that is a big plus. It was a shining light in the middle of a very frustrating time. Um, and especially when the house that we were going to buy that ended up falling through, we had felt such a spiritual confirmation about putting an offer in that house. So then when it ended up falling through, we just thought this is, have we completely just, are we way off base? I don't know. And uh, so we're sitting in the hotel discussing and going out and looking at other houses and the house we ended up getting, which has been a pretty miraculous house for a number of reasons, blessings for us, blessings for um, other members of our family. We've had people come and live with us. So it was, you know, over the years, we've been in the house for five years now. I can see the reason the Lord needed us to be in this house where we are. but. Um, it, we, our house fell through. We went out to look at some, we walked in this house. We knew it was it. It had only gone on the market the next day or the day before. 
And so whether the Lord knew it was coming up and he needed us in this location or what, we went through a whole bunch of rigmarole that I felt like, couldn't we have just received that prompting (laughs) when this had been on the market and available? But there were some good learning experiences for us during those seven months of, of frustration and waiting on the Lord to, um, you know, to, to work his, his wonders in this situation that he had us in, but it did not happen quickly and it did not happen smoothly, even though it was, you know, all, all his um, doing. So there's a good. Yeah. That's an amazing story. Uh, Thanks for sharing that Rivka. And to think about how much time that took, you know, one of my friends likes to say that the Lord, you know, efficiency is not um, one of the Lord's priorities. Like he could have the day before that other house went on the market, just said like, okay, now go look at this house. But the whole process was important, not just the outcome. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, Aaliyah, do you have either any stories where you were waiting on the Lord that come to mind or another quote from the talk that you wanted to share with us? Um, I can't think of any stories right off the top of my head, but there is another quote that I like. Um, so as you guys have been talking, I think dad, you said something like, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some and reading this talk, I would argue that with the gospel and with the atonement, you can win everything, even when it feels like you're losing. So if you're in a trial um, you know, times are hard. You can still win because the atonement and the gospel gives those trials purpose and meaning and allow you to grow. But if you didn't have the gospel and the atonement, then you might not, you know, utilize the the blessings that come from those trials and you might just, you know, sit and feel sorry for yourself. So there's a quote um, in the talk that says, by the grace of God, the blessings will come to those who hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That issue was settled in a very private garden and on a very public hill in Jerusalem long ago. So I think it's important to remember what the Lord has done for us and that his, his atonement and his grace is always there for us. And that when it feels like life sucks, we can utilize the atonement to receive blessings in our life. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Aaliyah. I feel like uh, you've made it your life's purpose to uh, refute my uh, doctrinal teachings. Yeah, I've done quite a few times now. (laughs) As you did in your last talk in church. Thank you um, for teaching me humility. No, even as I said that and it came out of my mouth, um, I knew that it wasn't 100% 100% correct. It's it's just sort of a, you know, a, you know, we just say it. But when it came out, it didn't feel right. Uh, because, of course, winning and losing doesn't even mean what we use in the worldly sense when we're, we're talking about spiritual things. And he taught, you know, in another talk, Elder Holland talked about how the Lord has already won. We already know the final score of the game and, you know, how silly it would be to, um, you know, go back and bet on a game that had already taken place that you knew the outcome of or whatever the analogy was that he used. Um, I don't, I don't remember the details. And he sort of repeated that here with the quote you just gave Aaliyah talking about that issue was settled. So when we talk about not knowing the end, 
I'm I'm using that in sort of a very temporal circumstance. Like Rivka didn't know which house they were going to end up in or why. Um, but the ultimate end we know, you know, has already been won. The savior has already been victorious. So there, there is no doubt about the ultimate end. And that allows us to wait patiently on the Lord and know that he's in charge. <clears throat> well, Rivka, any other, any other parts of this that stuck out to you? Uh, his, his quoting, his sort of quoting of Elder Maxwell, uh, which I love. I love the original talk, by the way, if you have not read or listened to Elder Maxwell's talk, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds, go and listen to it or read it. It's a fantastic talk. It's from the April 1991 General Conference. So you can find it under General Conference, April 1991, or in the May 1991 enzyme. Um, and I would just highly, highly recommend you do, you do that. So, uh, but he, Elder Holland changes it up a little bit. Well, the direct quote, one's life cannot be both faith-filled and stress-free, that those are Elder Maxwell's words. And then um, Elder Holland basically just flushes out the imagery that Elder Maxwell shared in his talk. It simply will not work to glide naively through life, saying as we sip another glass of lemonade, Lord, give me all thy choicest virtues, but be certain not to give me grief, nor sorrow, nor pain, nor opposition. Please do not let anyone dislike me or betray me, and above all, do not ever let me feel forsaken by thee or those I love. In fact, Lord, be careful to keep me from all the experiences that made thee divine. And then, when the rough sledding by everyone else is over, please let me come and dwell with thee, where I can boast about how similar our strengths and our characters are as I float along on my cloud of comfortable Christianity. That's, a, that's some powerful imagery, because one, at times in my life, I have felt all of those things. You know, please take this away from me. I do not want this to be the thing I'm experiencing. I do not want to have to do this difficult thing. I don't want this pain that I'm feeling or offense that I'm feeling or um, struggle that I'm having. But then, of course, I do want to go live in heaven and be with be with God and and Jesus. And I, you know, so my natural man part of me feels this strongly. And then the spiritual part of me recognizes how almost offensively ridiculous this sounds. Of course, we're going to have all of the experiences um, that are difficult in this life because it's what we were made for. And I and I love the reminder that Joseph Smith receives while he's in Liberty Jail Um that the savior descended below all of these things. And are, are we greater than the savior that we should not have to have these experiences simply because there's an offer that he will suffer them with us and take the consequences for us. So I, I was grateful for that reminder and that humbling. Yeah. Thanks Rivka. Another quote I like from that talk by elder Maxwell is, we plead for exemption more than we do for sanctification, don't we, brothers and sisters? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think we all do that as humans. And you, as you said, the natural man side of us says like, oh, I really don't want this. Can you remove this cup from me? Um, and sometimes he will if we ask, and sometimes he won't, just as, uh, as Aaliyah talked about earlier. I think Liberty Jail is a great example of this. Um, 
What a painful experience for those involved and for the prophet. Two of the talks we've talked about so far have referred to that experience and given powerful examples from it, including this one. How much hope and faith and strength and power has been given to members of the church by the prophet going through that experience. And he probably didn't want to, to be in that jail. It sounded awful from everything I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much good has come from that experience um, for the church as a whole. So, okay. Do either of the two of you have anything else to add before we wrap it up? I don't think so. Okay. Rivka, anything else? Um, maybe just his one of his ending par- paragraphs. COVID and cancer, doubt and dismay, financial trouble, and family trials. When will these burdens be lifted? The answer is by and by. I love that. We just keep walking through and working through the trials as we wait on the Lord to see his blessings and miracles. I love it. And that ties into, at the end, what he prays for for us. He says, I pray that by and by, soon or late, those blessings will come to every one of you who seeks relief from your sorrow and freedom from your grief. So ultimately, he ends on a very hopeful note. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't know when, but we know that those blessings will come. And it reminds me of his talk, High Priest of Good Things to Come, and or Good Things to Come, I forget the exact title, but... Um, you know, he does have a very hopeful sort of thread running through a lot of his talks. And, um, I loved that talk where he talked about, you know, I I can't remember the exact quote. I should have been more prepared, but where he said, you know, um, they, they may come early, they may come late, they may not come till the next life, but you know, blessings will come. Um, just hold on and keep walking basically. So I, again, I pray that by and by soon or late, those blessings will come to every one of you who seeks relief from your sorrow and freedom from your grief. So I guess his promise is that those blessings will come. Um, Do either of you have a challenge that comes out of this, this talk that we can give? The sentence right after that, it says, I bear witness of God's love and of the restoration of his glorious gospel, which is in one way or another, the answer to every issue we face in life. So maybe this week's challenge can be to sit for a minute with the Lord about whatever issue it is that you are facing right now and, and contemplate and pray for eyes to see the way in which the gospel of Jesus Christ can be the answer to that issue. I love that. And, and think about having faith that the Lord will do something unimaginable in your life. Okay. Well, thank you both. And Aaliyah, is there, uh, can you tell people how, how to get a hold of us? Of course, you can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Words of the Prophets Podcast, or you can email us at Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to message us in any of those places and we'll get back to you. Okay, awesome. And our next talk that we'll be talking about is Seek Christ in Every Thought by Elder Sawadis. So until next time, thanks for joining us and keep the faith. <laughs>